Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self-storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income, the wonderful, amazing self-storage podcast that we get to geek out on investing in self-storage, my favorite thing in the world. And, you know, before we get started, as always, we got Connor here with us. How's it going, guys? And I kind of wanted to hit on a few things. First of all, thank you guys so much for all your support with the podcast, the book, We really do try to put out as much content as we can, and we try to make sure that it's good. We spend a lot of time and money to do this. So when you guys, you know, give us a five-star review and stuff, that makes a difference on the algorithm that all these social media companies use, that Google uses. Um, When you guys give us a great review on the book, those kind of things really do help us. So we appreciate it. And if you guys, if you get value of this and share it on social media, we try to share everything back. Um, We love that kind of support. My preferred means is Instagram because that's what I'm always on. But also there's Facebook and all those other ones. So, and also too, if you're not, um, if you follow me on Instagram, I try to put up different things that we're doing, give you a little more inside view of what's going on and hopefully things that'll help you out. So yeah, with that, you know, we hope... We hope that you guys are all doing great in this time. We we wanted to spend a little time to talk about because it's so crazy, and we hope everyone's staying so safe and, and health, healthy about um, COVID-19, its impact on self-storage and what we're seeing. So I know a lot of people, we, we get a lot of the questions, and our, our, our podcast really is directed to the feedback that we get from you guys. We want to make sure this content is poignant. Um, A lot of people say, which we shoot for, no BS. We're really trying to get straight to what we're seeing on the ground, our experience, and give you this kind of feedback. And one of the questions that you guys have a lot is what's happening with COVID-19? How is that affecting these assets performances? And what do you think it'll do in the future? So it's a big topic. And it's a topic that is very different because every market is different. And the states are all treating things very differently. So I'm going to kind of give you a idea on the research that we're reading as well as our portfolio and uh, other states that we're looking at and trying to go into. First, I think people's wondering, are you still buying? Yes. Yes, we are. We're closing Always. on another deal next month. And, <laughs> and uh, no, we're not stopping in any way, shape or form uh, because of COVID-19. So we are doing conversions. We're buying. And uh, um, in fact, to the contrary, I think when everybody shut down the first time when COVID was really scary, when people were very concerned about um, that it was going to be much, much worse than it has been, thank goodness, that everybody paused. And they're like, you know what? Let's not, let's not do anything right now. 
let's just wait. We did the opposite. We doubled down. Um, I started a wholesale company and uh, with the sole purpose to bring off market deals, we went under contract on three deals. So this last, during COVID, we've actually have more under contract than we did the entire rest of the year before. So to preference this whole discussion, how do we feel about it? How do we feel about the future? We don't make short-term decisions. It's an asset class that we love in and a good deal is a good deal no matter what. For us, a good investment is good in bad times. It's good in good times. And we don't make large decisions like that on short-term outcomes. So we're moving ahead full steam. We're growing. We expect to and want to. Now, does that mean that storage hasn't been affected? No, not at all. That's not true at all. (laughs) So, but I think its effects are different than most. So if you look at other real estate asset classes and their performance, particularly like hotels, Airbnbs, those have been devastated, right? Mm -hmm. We're not seeing anything remotely close to that in self-storage, but no self-storage. It's not like self-storage is doing better. Occupancies are down. Let me back this up. Really, the biggest part of the effect of COVID-19 is the shutdowns and the timing that they happened. This is weird, but it's true. Mm-hmm. We have a busy season, right? That busy season is during the spring. And we have really four months where the vast majority in our markets, some are different, but the majority of the United States, storage is a seasonal thing. And so during the spring, it's tied very much to schools and to weather because it's tied to when people move and people move during those times. And when people aren't doing anything, that's not good for storage. We need change. We need movement. So now we don't lose people though because of it. But what happens is during that busy season, because COVID came in and really locked things down, it it halted our busy season and that changed the way we could In all states, we were under emergency order. We could not raise rates. We could not kick people out. And we could not um, uh, go through a lien process on people's items and sell their stuff, the auction. We couldn't do any of those things. And the auction process is how we clean out the units so we can get new people in. Um, Because those things halted, it was we were at a standstill. Um, We didn't get growth. But more importantly, we weren't able to, the people that were leaving anyways, get them out and then fill up our facility. Because when you come off the winter, you're at the lowest point during the whole year in occupancy and self-storage. Spring is where we get those new tenants in. Without having that, we didn't see that standard rise in occupancy that we normally do. So this time... This year, compared to last year, occupancy's down. Um, we're hoping we can fill up, you know, through before fall, but we don't expect a huge bounce. We don't expect not only a huge bounce, we don't expect there to be a, a, a busy season at all this year. So we expect to remain 5% below all year, and we hope that we don't have a bigger dip through the fall, but 
what really gets us is we can't raise rates. In storage, you're always raising rates. That's part of the game. That's how you make money. That's how you run the business. It's you need to have standardized rate increases. They need to be going. And because how we raise rate increases, we do it individually. Let, let, let me tell you a story. Let me walk through. This, this will be the perfect example to show you how this works. So if you look at our property, let's say we take just one property alone that we've been working on this week. And that's why, why I think about it and why I, uh, I've been thinking about this weekend. I'm like, oh, we got to do a podcast on this. So this is perfect time to do it. We halted rate increases. Oh, when, when was that? It was, did we stop in April? I was going to say months ago. Yeah. yeah. And each individual person, when they come in, they get their own rate and they get their own rate increase schedule. Six to nine months on average, we were setting up rates for um, eight to 12%, depending on unit size and different things. But because they're individualized, um, we don't do just mass rate increases and we couldn't do rate increases and we couldn't kick people out. What happened now when we're looking at doing rate increases for August and September, that's like when we're going to be able to do rate increases, you have to give them notice, 30 day notice. So there's a lag time anyways. Um, it's stacked up to like 400 people. Right, right. One on one facility. facility. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a lot, man. That's a lot. And you start going 400 people at one facility getting a rate increase at once. And we can't do that before we go into the busy season to make up for lost people. Yeah, we're going into the downturn. downturn. Yeah. Yeah, which is a huge deal. And I mean, and two, it's always expected to have people leave yes. even in normal times during those rate increases. And in these times that we're experiencing that are, have been proven to be pretty uncertain, yes. <laughs> nobody really knows what's going on from, you know, day to day, week to week. Um, it, it would really beg the question as to, I mean, if you were to do, I mean, hundreds of tenants increases all at once, I don't know what kind of an outcome yeah. that would produce. Who would leave and yeah. would we be able to fill it up? Yeah, it'd be a huge gamble. It would. And so what we decided to do and what I've been working on and what I want to share with you guys, I think this will help you out. I think this is a good approach. So we're going like uber manual because now everybody's off the individual rate increases, which is set in place because the government won't allow us to do it. So that system doesn't work. So instead, what I did is we broke apart this facility, which has lots of different size units. And we analyzed every single unit size, how full it's been and for how long. And we classified units in the market that have super high demand that are, we were full and have been full for a long time as priority because we knew we could fill them up, right? We have people coming in. So risk is lower, right? And their ability to take an increase is usually higher because they can't go anywhere. So with the spread on that, the risk spread on that is really good. So we tiered out and that was the first level which for us in this facility, I think it was five by fives, 10 by tens um, were the center. They were the ones that had been totally full for a really long time and that people demanded in the marketplace. They're coming back. They wanted them. So we're giving all of those right out of the gates a rate increase and they're getting our standard rate increase. 
because I know if they leave, I can actually fill those out. We're increasing our marketing budget through this time because we know we're going to have move outs and we know it's going to be harder to get people in. And there's going to be more than we normally expect. So our marketing budget is pretty standardized every single month because we know it's a trickle effect, right? We're always replacing. Well, because this is no longer a trickle effect, we've got to double that marketing because we're doubling the amount of rate increases we get. So we're backing it with that. Then as we started looking at this facility, we had a lot of 10 by 20s that were just not, people just weren't going for them. And this was a newer facility, two years, and we'd struggled. And two, because those are really large units, the price tag is not cheap. Mm-hmm. And so throughout this year and throughout the crises, we've really haven't had a lot of people that have been taking them. So demand is really low for those people. And this is a huge amount of units. We're talking about 150 units in just the size. And so we know if I give these people all at once a rate increase, they're going to move out and I'm not going to be able to fill these up quickly because they're going to be more price sensitive and there's not as much demand. So that means there's more in the marketplace and other people are competing for it. So with these, we're doing in a three stage. We're breaking the entire group up into three stages and we're giving those guys less rate increase and we're doing it over a three month period of time. That way, if the first month we have a mass move out, we know we made a mistake, we can halt the other two rounds. Uh, So it's a third, a third, and a third over a three-month given period of time. And they're being treated very differently. Another thing that we're doing is location of the units in the building drive higher prices due to access. So you have popular units in a facility because of access situations and how they can get in and get out. All the ones that are prime real estate inside your units, right? So all the best accessible ones, without a doubt, all of those are getting rate increases. Standard, just done because those are always in high demand. Then the units that are less desirable, we're not doing. We're not giving them a rate increase. And if there was any problems with tenants that were due to damage or anything else like that, all of those completely 100% halted. So what we've done is we've taken away our standard automated rate increase that is really good because everyone's on their own cycle, everyone's doing, and we're diving down into groups, classifications, really understanding supply and demand, really understanding in the marketplace where people are struggling, where they're not, because I got to maximize. You can't not give rate increases. We don't do that. Nobody should. And we learned that during the recession. There was a lot of people that went without giving rate increases. And the people that did give rate increases had no problems at all. They just kept going. Well, the people that didn't give rate, rate increases for a couple of years, it took them years to catch up. So now there's a spread between the years they didn't and then the catch-up period, which is all of a sudden four or five years. So you don't ever want to be in that process. But two, you need to deeply understand units and make sure the marketplace hasn't changed. The larger units, the marketplace changed on us. We need to adjust. So we are also going to lower the offering to the market and we're giving um, a free rental and we're going to market those higher. So we're bringing the prices down to fill up because we have so much empty space in that size, mm-hmm. right? We're not doing that to any of them. In fact, we're increasing the street rates to all other sizes. And I share this with you because you got to understand that you have to pivot your model. You have to pivot your business. Now, notice we're not pivoting though how we run. We're pivoting how we execute. This is really important. Rate increases are coming. We're 
we're, we always are doing uh, uh, dynamic pricing and optimizing our square foot pricing in the facility to maximize it all the time. Um, and right now we're just having to do a lot more digging and understanding. We're marketing in a different way because of the timing that this is happening and what's going on. Um, this is what we're seeing in the facilities right now. Um, we're spending a lot more time understanding the change in customers' habits, what they're doing and how they're doing it. And bigger size units are tend to be getting hit. So in this facility, other facilities, that's not the case. In fact, it's the opposite. Our larger size units are all gone. We don't have any. So it is market specific. What I would say though, and when you're looking at as a general rule, what we're seeing is the effects of storage is the halting of rate increases and also the halting of us getting tenants that are not paying out. I mean, that's bad. Essentially, you're just giving your services for free and you have no recourse and you can't collect revenue. I don't know why that's okay, but they don't do that at McDonald's or anywhere else. That's beyond me. I don't know why they say we have to do that. But the governors, they're God. So they get to make whatever decisions they want right now. And they are. And we're seeing it all over the board. California to Idaho to, you know, Utah to Kansas to Michigan to Florida. It's all different. And so you also need to be very aware of the outlook of the individual state, what the governor's saying, how he's feeling that day, and what the outlook is. A lot of these governors are saying, listen, we're just doing whatever the CDC says, right? So, or as they say, we're going by science. Well, we already know that's not true. If you guys haven't listened to our Cash Flow to Freedom podcast, jump on there um, here in a couple weeks, in the next week. We're, we're releasing a podcast where we're talking to restaurant and bar owners and what they're doing. And they had an actual meeting with the CDC in their local state to understand what the time frame was with their businesses and when they would be allowed to open again. And, do. and the CDC, the director of the CDC flat out told them, said, we will get way too much heat from the media if we open up. So we're not even going to look at that at this point. It had nothing to do with science. Zero. Had nothing to do with the virus. Had nothing to do with the, the people. The CDC didn't want to take the heat from the media. So they said, you're lost. You don't get to open up. Um, you need to understand how your local states are interacting with it. Don't assume things and definitely don't assume things because you're watching the media because that's not how it's playing out. And you need to work with your local cities, counties, because we also have local cities and counties that are going against the governors. And so it, it's just this weird world that we live in, right? You have, Very strange. You, you have counties that say our county is mandating everyone wears masks. You have to wear masks in the building, uh, in the buildings, and we, you can only do things a certain way. And then cities within that county are saying, no, that's not true at all. We will not enforce. And it's just it, – it's all over the board, which for business, that's not good. Right. Right. We need consistency. I need to know the laws by which I can operate my business. And those laws can't change on a week to week basis. And right now they are. Mm -hmm. That's outrageously frustrating. And two, for a lot of businesses, not self storage, but like, um, you know, my friends uh, we were talking to in this podcast, um, business owners, that's a death knell because they, all their expenses they're paying. Um, that doesn't go away, but they're not allowed to open up. So they're like, well, we got about maybe a month left or, you know, that we can do. And some of the real estate asset classes like hotels and things are facing that. Um, we don't have that in storage. 
right? Our tenants are all still paying. They're all still fine. We're, we're doing fine. We're buying more. Um, one of the many reasons we love self-storage. Now, it does, though, pertain to if you're buying storage facilities, and projecting how the year out, if you're building a storage facility, for everybody that built a storage facility and it came out in spring of this year, you know, that's that's rough. I mean, y- y- you have to understand your first year, if you don't fill up, then your loss projections, I mean, because that revenue, so the revenue flow first year of opening up is a revenue flow to cover expenses as you're building up. So your expense ratio is dropping as that revenue is coming in. Your projected loss to how much you feed it is less. That's put off now a year or two years. That project is costing you a ton of money. Well, that's just the thing is that that compounding effect that happens from that initial and I mean, even ongoing after that, how those seemingly small and incremental changes can actually have a dramatic effect. And we see that all the time with, you know, investing. And it, I mean, you're talking lots of these people, they're doing a refi, they're short-term loans, they have bridge loans. You lose a year and, oh boy, um, you got a two-year, three-year refinance period or whatever it may be. Um, so if, you're, if you are building or converting, you need to be more careful right now. It, it is a period in time where it, you just need to be more careful. It, it's, it, I've extended out all projections at least a year, all of them. Um, I'm way more conservative in our underwriting. And now looking at the our portfolio, this year is going to be a lost year. It just is. We're not going to have growth. Um, well, I say that. We're having it so far. We may have a little, right? So, <laughs> we'll yeah, see. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> we got some time left. Yeah, we got some time left. But yeah. we're not expecting it. And uh, which our growth projections everything were actually quite large uh, before we started, which is fine. That's fine, right? We, if... If we can go through this and stay put, wow, take that all day long, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many businesses going out and going under. So this really is a time, though, where managing those rates, managing that occupancy, and focusing on quality and demand and individually looking at each size, unit, place, everything that has to do with it has never been more important. You should be auditing it. If you're buying a facility, you need to look at it like this. Mm-hmm. How long did that that whole segment of units get a rate increase? When was the last time? Right? What's it look like in the marketplace? Right? Are these all full in this size? In the next six to ten months, how how's that size going to look? What can I do with it? How's it going to work? Um, and you need to be building these things into your projections, and you need to be reasonable right now with them. We're going into the slow season, so to speak. And yes, for all of you people that are in Southern California that say, well, we're not seasonal. Well, good for you. <laughs> Enjoy your sunshine. Enjoy, exactly. Sunshine. <laughs> oh, so man. for the rest of us and across the United States, um, you know, make sure you're watching out for that, that seasonality. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's important. And look at your fill-up rate and how you're going to combat it. Now, let me say this. Where markets were overbuilt, COVID is devastating. I know operators in Dallas. I know operators in Nashville and some other markets that are like, we are getting hammered. And I want to make this very clear. It's not COVID that's hammering them. They say that it is, but it's not. No, you are in an overbuilt market. That's what's hurting you. 
And we harp on this on this podcast, and I will forever, because once again, an overbuilt market, you're overbuilding with projections in the future that you will continue at as is or higher. This is speculation. And overbuilt markets always get hit. I don't know why people forget this. I don't understand why people forget that or say this time it's different. No, it's not. Just stop it. It's just like all just the rest of it. Stop. You know? This isn't gambling. Yeah. It always, you know, the hat falls. If your market is overbuilt and can't supply its current demand alone, and you're saying it's going to be better in the future, you know, that's that's gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so then to say that it's COVID's fault, you know, it's a cop out. It's because what you're saying is it's not my problem. Right. Yeah. It's not my, I didn't make yeah. any mistakes here. No, 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 no. This was, you know, China releasing the virus, thing like that. Well, you sh- that shouldn't have affected you, though. Exactly. You should have been in good enough standings to where you could weather these kind of storms. And if you're not, that's not a market you want to be in. You made a mistake. You made a mistake. Exactly. And so take some responsibility here. We all need to look at this. If you were in a market that had great demand, you would not be hit with this kind of stuff. It exactly. wouldn't be happening. And so look at it. Look at the market you're going in. Make sure there's demand there or don't build. Right, right. It, it, I mean, and we still are seeing building in overbuilt markets oh, because there's a huge tail. And they're like, well, I got this approved last year and I built it and everything. And they're going to open up and the next two months and it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough six months for them. So just want to say that on the how COVID's affecting is COVID is hurting our rental raises it's hurting our ability to replace but at the end of the day we're fine storage is a great asset it is recession resistant but the number one enemy as i always say to storage is storage so if you were in overbuilt markets if it wasn't covid it was something else Mm -hmm. right it was going to be something else and it always will be so if that if you can just follow the golden rule which is don't build an overbuilt markets. Don't buy an overbuilt markets. And you're going to be fine. Um, so, and I, um, I think that we're going to come out of this next year. We're going to be right back to normal rate increases. We're doing rate increases now. We're still doing. We're still moving forward. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have strong demand in the spring. And all our markets are still going to go go move forward. So that's my, my little segment here on COVID-19 how we're seeing the effects that it's having in the marketplace, what we're seeing at individual facilities and what we're doing down to the unit sizes and what you should be doing too. I hope that's helpful. Dude. And what I love about this is it's really just a doubling down of what, what we're already doing and what you guys should already be doing anyways, where it's like, I mean, you're, you're analyzing these different aspects, you know, you're analyzing the demand, you're analyzing specific units, you're utilizing and deploying dynamic pricing at your facilities and so forth. But this is just a more refined version of that. Exactly. So it's really just slightly pivoting. You're not really changing anything at all. It's just doing it to a a micro degree, if you will, at your facilities, which I think is awesome. Yes. And again, I mean, if you bought right, if you're doing things right from the get-go, you're not relying on market changes, ups, downs. I mean, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be great. Exactly. And just keep doing you. Keep and, doing it. And you get guys, it if you're getting in the business, get into it for the long term, not short yeah, term. Exactly. So, well, two guys, we got to mention our sponsor here before we close out. 
Um, and I got a few things to say after this, so hold, hold on real quick. But uh, Janus International, guys. Um, so Janus International Store Local. These are our two sponsors. And you guys... We're, you're, you guys are headed to them. I want to say that we talk about them a lot. If you're going to them, tell them. Say, hey, I was listening to AJ Osborne's podcast, Self Storage Income, and I heard about you guys. Because if not, they don't know if you're coming from me. And if they come from me, that shows that you guys are listening and it's being meaningful. And that helps them understand that uh, my podcast is a valuable thing, which we like. Um, so if you guys could help us out with that, that's awesome. Generous International, the keyless entry system, and their uh, fabrication, their metal fabrications they do, the doors install. I mean, it's they. I think they're the largest in the industry and they're there for a reason. They're being innovative. They're, they have plethora of options, abilities. I know people that are using them to even uh, like quasi GC projects so they can mm -hmm. cut down expenses. And so there's a lot you guys can do. Reach out to them. Ask them about their no-key product, their keyless entry system, technology, the wave of the future, how people are adapting um, their doors. And with Store Local, we are better as we are a community than we are one-off, right? We are trying to, we're, we're working on competing and the better we can compete, the better that you're going to do and your assets are going to do. Store local allows you to have access to like group pricing, technology, things like that. It's a co-op. So it's owned by storage or operators. It's for them. They group together. They buy things at large at a discount. Um, and it's awesome. I love it. We're a founding member of it. Um, we've been on board with that as an association always. Um, so check them out. Uh, with that, I also want to mention again, guys, the Investor's Guide to Growing Wealth and Self-Storage, the book. We are doing the call. If you write, if you if you give us a good review on Amazon, send in the call. That stuff's meaningful to us. Share it on social media, share the book, share what you like about it. I'll repost it. I love hearing about it. It makes me smile every time. Um, it's We are now the largest uh, podcast in self-storage, and we are the number one book on self-storage. Just killing it, man. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really and cool to see. It is. It's so cool to see, and we are so grateful for your guys' support what you're doing, um, and letting other people know about, about what we're doing. We're excited about self-storage, as I know all you guys are. So just wanted to say thank you. We appreciate it. Yep. Thanks so much, guys. We'll catch you next time. See ya.